Good morning. Uh, welcome to Troy United Methodist Church. My name is Andy. I'm uh, really, really glad to see each of you here today. Uh, you, you have come at a great time. Uh, we are starting a brand new message series uh, called Hiding and Seeking. Uh, I don't know about you, when you think about uh, hiding and seeking, like I always, I always flash back to when I was a, a little kid and I'd, I'd inevitably I'd find like the, I'd find the, the perfect hiding place and then, oh, then I had to go to the bathroom. Does that, does that happen to anybody else? Like, that was my experience, hiding and seeking. Like, I'd always have to, like, come out of hiding to seek the bathroom uh, after I'd found the perfect place where I could have been hiding for weeks and nobody ever would have found me. But, uh, uh, but I'm really glad that you're here uh, as we uh, launch into this series. Uh, you, the, uh, the kind of, I'll be teaching from the book of John, chapters 3 and 4, o- over the next couple of weeks. And, uh, and yet the premise of this series uh, comes from uh, the very last few verses of John chapter 2, which I want to share with you uh, as we kind of continue in our worship today. But the, the background to this is, um, uh, is Jesus had just begun his ministry. And if you were here last week, you saw how Jesus turned water into wine um, on that, at that, the wedding feast. And, and there was a little line in there that said, because of this sign and this miracle that Jesus had done, his disciples really started believing in him. Like they, they believed this, okay, this might be the guy that we're looking for. Uh, it's him. And, and so uh, soon after that, Jesus went to Jerusalem. Uh, to celebrate the, the Passover uh, festivities, which uh, Passover is a, a high festival for Jesus and, and, and Jewish people. Um, and, and so there, uh, apparently, he began to gain even more of a following uh, because of his signs and the miracles that he performed. And then we read this passage, which is the foundation of uh, our next several weeks. Because Of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature for he knew what was in each person's heart. People began trusting in Jesus. But the scriptures say that Jesus didn't really trust them because he knew all about people. He knew what was in people's heart. And not, he, he, he didn't not trust them in a cynical way, but in a truthful way. Like he, he knew what was going on behind the scenes in, in people's hearts. Uh, and that's really the overarching idea uh, for this series, for the next uh, three weeks, that there is no hiding from Jesus. He, he knows what is in each person's heart. He, 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 you can fool me. You can fool all the people around you. You can fool uh, your parents or, or your spouse or even yourself. But you can't fool Jesus. He, he sees into your heart. He knows your secrets. He knows your motives. He knows the, the truth behind each of our actions. He, he sees when it is that you're hiding And he knows when it is that you are truly seeking him. And and this brief passage really is an introduction to a whole section in the book of John, which covers a couple of chapters um, and and kind of outlines 
uh, what we're going to be talking about the next three weeks, three stories where Jesus sees into people's hearts. We're starting today with the story of Nicodemus um, at the beginning of chapter three. Next week, we'll take a look at Jesus looking into the heart of the woman at the well in John chapter four. And then at the end of John chapter four, there's a third story that we're going to look at in a, in a couple of weeks about Jesus and his interaction with a government official. And each week, we're going to witness Jesus seeing into the depths of these three people's hearts and, and what he finds uh, might really be surprising to us. Um, I, I think it will be. Uh, most surprising, I believe that you're going to find that, that over the course of the next three weeks, if your heart is open, that you'll find that Jesus is not only looking, but seeing into the depths of your heart too. Today we're going to begin with Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus, but, but first, uh, let's prepare our hearts for uh, uh, giving God back um, uh, a portion of what he has first given us, and, and let's, let's pray together to that end. Uh, Father in heaven, we uh, are gathered here in your presence so that we can experience you. That, that's, that's why we rolled out of bed this morning, God, and, and came here so that we could experience your presence. And we want to be faithful to, to give back to you a portion of what you've given us. Uh, but, but even more than that, we really pray that in your presence we can be known. Uh, known e even more deeply than we know ourselves. God, we pray that just as Jesus could see into every person's heart, that he would be able to look deep inside us and see our hearts too. And that as he receives us right where we're at, that he opens our hearts to receive everything that he longs to offer us today. Lord, don't let us leave here today without being transformed by your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's, uh, let's hear about Nicodemus' story uh, straight from John chapter 3. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I, I assure you, you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, 
so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. You know, in Jesus' culture, in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, Nicodemus would certainly have been seen as a man who was seeking God. Uh, at the beginning of this passage, uh, we, we get a glimpse of Nicodemus's spiritual resume. We see that Nicodemus was Jewish. He was a descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He was a part of God's chosen people. That was a part of his spiritual resume. We also see that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Pharisees were, were, were highly respected Jews who were perceived by others as exceedingly righteous, exceedingly godly and, and holy. Uh, they, they were strong adherents of God's law. Everyone knew them to be devoutly religious. It's another part of his resume. Not only that, uh, Nicodemus was a religious leader. He was looked up to by others. He was a teacher of others. He was a part of the ruling council, the, the Sanhedrin. He, he had an extremely high status, another check on his spiritual resume. And on top of it all, in this story, he is the one who is seeking out Jesus. He's intrigued by Jesus. He's seen the signs and the wonders, and, and, and he takes the initiative. He's obviously seeking God, isn't he? And yet, we get this hint that Nicodemus, despite the outward appearance of seeking, was actually hiding. We initially get this inkling because we see that, that he comes to see Jesus uh, under the, the cover of dark when nobody else would, would be uh, observing his interactions with Jesus. Uh, furthermore, we find out through, through the interaction, this conversation, that although it seems like Nicodemus is seeking Really, um, at least at this point in his journey, he really isn't interested in uh, following through on the truth that, that Jesus shares with him. He's, he's a little resistant. And, and thus we get our first surprise. Here's a guy who from the outside, from everybody who would be reading this, who, who was uh, a Jewish person of the day, Everyone who'd be reading this saying, this guy has got it together. This guy is obviously a godly man who is seeking Jesus. He appears to be as godly and as righteous as anyone could be. He appears to be seeking God with his whole heart, and yet we find that he's guarded. And that he's missing the heart of what it means to truly seek Jesus. In fact, Nicodemus, his uh, impressive, very impressive religious exterior is actually, for him, a beautiful mask that he's painted and that he's hiding behind. Now, how often is this the case in our own lives? This happens all the time. Maybe, um, maybe you've grown up uh, your, your whole life. You, you've kind of experienced, it's been your impression that your relationship with God is all about your religious practices, and the activities that you are involved in. Uh, that, that, well, yeah, that's how you become a Christian. You become an active part of the church. 
You, you, you do stuff with the church. That's how you seek God. Uh, you, you behave a certain way. You, you meet a certain standard. You participate in certain rituals and, and activities. You, you believe the right things then. Then, because of your impressive spiritual resume, you can be confident that you're in the right with God. How can God turn you away if you're seeking him in, in all of these different ways? But what if, well, what if all of this kind of seeking that you've been doing, well, what if that's really you just painting a, a beautiful mask of a spiritual resume that you put up and hide behind? Take a moment to think about that. I mean, in your own life, well, what's the motive behind your, your religious activity? All those things that you do. Is it because you're supposed to? Uh, is it because you've always learned that's what a good Christian does? Is it because of, of some sense of, of obligation that you feel deep down inside? Or, or maybe, maybe it's the, the sense of guilt that you feel if you don't do it. Maybe it's because you, yourself, and, and those around you think more highly of you because of all of those great things that you do with your time. Now, what does Jesus think about all that? Well, let's look at some of his interaction with Nicodemus. And, and if, you don't, if you don't understand that, that introductory passage that I read from the end of, of uh, John chapter 2, if you don't understand what's going on here, Jesus comes across kind of like a jerk in this interaction with Nicodemus. Uh, it, because look, look at Nicodemus here. He, he really gives Jesus a lot of props. He, he, he's coming to Jesus. He acknowledges Jesus is obviously a teacher from God, uh, as opposed to some of the other Pharisees that Jesus interacts with uh, throughout his ministry. Uh, Nicodemus clearly recognizes that these are from God. That, and he's, he's patting Jesus on the back. And, and Jesus responds rather harshly. Look at how Jesus responds. Uh, Nicodemus has just got done saying, it's, it's obvious that God is with you. Jesus says, tell you the truth, you can't be born again unless you see the kingdom of God. Or you can't, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. Uh, and, and the obvious implication being, Nicodemus, you're not seeing the kingdom of God. You're missing it, buddy. He's saying, look, you think that you're all that. But really, you're not. You, you think you're a part of the kingdom of God, but the truth is you can't even see it. Whew, why? Why, did, why is Jesus so harsh here? Well, the, the underlying truth is because Jesus knows what's going on. Remember, he sees deep into each person's heart. People are trusting him. They're interested in him, but he doesn't trust them because he knows. He sees into each person's heart. And he's seeing into Nicodemus' heart here. Because he sees Nicodemus is holding back. He knows the obstacles that Nicodemus is facing to really be a follower of his. And he comes right out with this. He's like, Nicodemus, you're missing it. You, you need to be born again. And guess what? That doesn't happen by your own activity. It happens by what God's spirit does in you. 
That's what Jesus is saying in this brief interaction with Nicodemus in, in the verses uh, four through eight right after this. And, and Nicodemus then, uh, after Jesus explains this, he says, how is this even possible? How is it possible for a man to, be, to go back into his mother's womb? How is it to be uh, possible to be born anew by the power of God? I, don't, don't I have to be the one to do the work? Aren't I the one who, who is supposed to seek God? Don't I have to be the one who, who is faithful, who prays, who, who serves uh, to do this and, and that and, and to, in order to be in a right relationship with God? Don't I have to do all that? If that's not how you see the kingdom of God and become a part of it, then, then how, Jesus? How? And Jesus tells him how by referring to a completely obscure and little-known story from the Old Testament. Jesus does this a lot, and we just breeze right past it. We think he's just talking crazy talk. He's really referring to a story from, from the, the Old Testament. And this is essentially what Jesus says, again, coming off like a jerk, uh, if you don't know what's going on. Jesus, don't, don't quote me on that. Jesus is the jerk. Uh, but, but it feels that way. He says, look, you're, you're, Jesus says, look, you're a respected Jewish leader, who's supposed to know the scriptures and you don't know how to find new life. Then Jesus says this, and Moses, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. This bronze snake story uh, comes from the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 21, way back. Uh, from this not very well-known story, uh, we get part of the emblem, the common emblem of the emergency medical services. You, you see this? Have you seen this before? And wonder what in the world? Some of you have worn this badge, and you're like, what is the snake on a pole thing? Uh, you see, you'll see this everywhere now. Uh, it may have just gone right past you before. Uh, but this, this is in reference to that exact same story. Uh, uh, it's all over the place. Uh, well, how is the snake on a pole, you might wonder, uh, associated with healing? And medicine. Well, here's how. Um, in the Old Testament, after the Hebrew people had been delivered from slavery in Egypt, uh, they approached the promised land of God, but, but they were afraid. They didn't trust God. They, they didn't uh, enter into the promised land. And, and so uh, God uh, kind of closed that door on them, and, and we learned that the people of God wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until uh, until that entire generation died. And, and then a, a new generation was, was raised up and they, they put their hope and their trust in God and they entered the promised land. But this story takes place in that 40-year window of wandering in the wilderness. And, and it was obvious uh, from the background of the story that the people had not really yet uh, learned from God's discipline of turning them away from the promised land when they wouldn't trust him to enter it. Uh, because they were, once again, uh, at the foundation of this story, complaining against God. Uh, they were uh, threatening to rebel against God and against Moses. They were tired of wandering around and moving from place to place with very little to eat. And, and they were complaining against God about the food that God was providing for them to eat. Um, so the Bible says uh, that God disciplined them more harshly. And the way that he did so was he sent poisonous snakes 
uh, among the, the camps of the people. And these snakes bit some of the people, and the people died uh, from the snake bites. And, and, and the people of God, they recognized, oh my goodness, w- this is God's judgment on us. We have not been faithful. We, we have been rebelling against God. And so uh, they, they asked Moses, Moses, would you pray to God? Would you ask God to help us uh, and, and deliver us from these, these snakes? And, and Moses did pray to God. And then we read this. This was, this was uh, uh, God's response to Moses in Numbers chapter 21. Then the Lord told him, Moses, he said, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. And all who were bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Interesting story, isn't it? Uh, Now, why in the world would Jesus associate himself with this story? And then why, after associating with this story, does he then follow it up with the most famous passage in all of the scriptures? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. First off, I think it's relatively clear. We can, we can look at this and we can say, all right, Jesus is, is kind of forecasting. He's pointing to his future death, for he will be raised up on a pole, on a cross, much like a, the snake is raised up on a pole. I think Jesus is saying, you know, he's going to be lifted up uh, uh, like that. Uh, but also, uh, Jesus is saying that he's going to be lifted up like that snake. Now think about this for a minute. In, in the scriptures, what, what is the snake kind of symbolic of? Just help me out. Shout it out. Evil. Evil. That's right. E- evil. Sin. Poison. Death. The, the snake represents our sin and everything that our sin deserves. So when Jesus is lifted up like the snake, ultimately he's taking on the sin. That He's being lifted up like sin, like the sin we deserve. The, the scriptures say that, that, that God uh, would make him who had no sin become sin for us. Jesus being lifted up like the snake. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. I think that's one reason why Jesus is referencing this story. But there's more too. You see, in this story, it's important to see how it was that the people were healed of their snake bites. Do, do you remember how? Can we see that, uh, the scripture passage again? Uh, if we can see, do, do, do you remember how it was that they were healed? Just by looking. They didn't get medicine. They, they didn't get some special touch. Okay. Just by looking. In other words, it's not by anything that you do. To be born again to have eternal life, Jesus is saying that it's not through your plans or your efforts or your performance, your fancy spiritual resume. When you're born into this life, you are born into it through the labor of somebody else's love for you. 
For me, uh, it was 41 years ago today, early, early this morning, that I was born into this world by the labor of love of my mother. Uh, uh, thank you, Mom. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so you're born into this world by the labor of somebody else's love, and that's the same way you are born again. You are healed. You, you, you receive new life. You are born again when you, you take off that beautiful mask that you create for yourself. It's not because of your own labors that you are born again. You are born again through the labor of love that you receive of Jesus. For me, that, that day wasn't 41 years ago. For me, that was July 18th of 1990 when I was born again by the labor of love of Jesus. You know, I, I've met several of you and heard so many of your stories. It's been almost a year since I've uh, been the senior pastor here at Troy United Methodist Church, and I, this is what I've gathered from a lot of you. Not, not everybody, but this is, this is a lot of your stories. Like, you're, you're used to succeeding, a lot of you. Well, a lot of you are, are used to achieving at a very high rate. You're, you're used to uh, performing really well in school or in your career uh, or in your life. But sometimes, sometimes that can lead you to trusting too much in your own doing. Whenever you put too much emphasis on what you do, that can be a, a dangerous path. See, on the one hand, it, it is possible that your doing has has brought shame to you or, or to others. Uh, what you've uh, been doing has been sinful. It's, it's distanced you from God. But according to Jesus, and we'll learn more of this in the coming weeks, according to Jesus, that your doing doesn't have to keep you from a relationship with God. Uh, just, just look to the cross. L look to Jesus lifted up and you can be born again. You cannot have what you have done count against you. Uh, on the other hand, some of us are really, really good at trusting in our own good behavior <laughs> to somehow earn God's love, to make God, uh, make it seem like, like God couldn't possibly reject us because look at all the great things that, that we're doing with our life. Uh, our doing has been righteous. We think, look at all the good that I've done. Look at, look at how I've been a good student, a good son or a good daughter, a good spouse. Look at how I have given of myself over and over and over again to the church. Thank you, by the way. Uh, but, but look at all the fruits that have been born because of what, what I have given uh, to God and the church. Isn't it obvious that I'm not only seeing God's kingdom, but I'm an active part of it? Isn't that clear? Well, Jesus, he says it doesn't work that way. You have to look to the cross. You don't look to all the good stuff that, that you do. You have to look to the labor of love that Jesus endured for you. It's only through his doing that you can be made right with God. See, Nicodemus was hiding he was hiding in a way that a lot of us hide, behind a, a beautiful mask of all the wonderful things that, that we do, all of our religious activity. 
And Jesus was telling him, the only way to seek me and, and to find God is through trusting what I have done for you. That's the same message that Jesus has for you and me today. And now, for some of you, when you hear this, this is it's like revolutionary. You mean, I don't, I don't, gotta, I don't have to do anything? This is great. <laughs> uh, some, of you, some of you, this is revolutionary. And, 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 and maybe for you and your heart right now, God is speaking to you that, wow, my goodness. I can stop trusting in all of my own efforts and all I need to do is, is trust in what Jesus has done? And if that's a question on your heart, the answer is yes. Stop trusting in your own stuff. Start trusting in Jesus. And if that's you today, if you're there, this is, this is radical. Um, I, I, that blank piece of paper that you received on your way in, I want you to write down just your conviction that you can stop trusting in your own stuff and start trusting in what Jesus has done for you. Uh, that, that may be revolutionary for some of you. That's really what it means to surrender your life to Jesus, to surrender your doings for what he has done for you. That's what it means to become a Christian. Um, others of you, though, you're like, this is old news. Um, Pastor, I, I've heard this a bunch of times. I did not know about that snake story, but I know about this. Uh, I, I get it. Uh, what does that mean for me now? Uh, a couple of things. First, uh, you can never be reminded enough. Uh, I can never be reminded enough that, man, it is not what I do. God, it's your love for me. It's what you've done for me. Um, some of us, we just naturally, we put on the performance hat because that's, that, that's just what we do. That's how we're conditioned in this life. It's like you're only worth something. Your identity is based in what you do. And, and, and we just need to be reminded and remind each other over and over and over again. That's not the truth of, of God. That, that is not the gospel message. And so, so first and foremost, just be reminded of that. But remember and, and be reminded to look to the cross. That, that it's what Jesus has done, not, not what we have done. Uh, but remember that you can only really truly see clearly the cross when, when you first take off the mask that you've kind of made for yourself. And really that's what I want to share with you today is, is what does it look like to, to take off the mask, that, that image that you've worked so hard to create for yourself. And here's, here's what that looks like. It, it means really, it means living in humility and vulnerability. It, gosh, it just means being real. Uh, not, not hiding behind anything. Uh, it, it means acknowledging your failures and, and your sin for what they are. Uh, some of us do that, and, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, others of us, you know, when we're confronted with the, the ugly stuff in our hearts and our life, we, we just deny it. <laughs> it's like, nope, nope, look at the beautiful stuff. Look, look at all the things that I do. It's, that's not the real, this is the real me out here that you're looking at. And, 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 and we, you know, we point to our, our resume. Still others of us, though, we respond to the, the, the broken stuff inside. We respond, like, yep, well, I'm just a, I'm a worm. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a broken sinner. Uh, I'm, 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 I can't do anything good. I'm a screw-up. Uh, I'm not hiding behind any mask. Uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a bum. Uh, some of us kind of live in that, but, but let, let me just tell you, that, that's not eternal life. You know, that, that's, that's just recognizing your death. 
<laughs> Jesus has come. Uh, he died. He rose again uh, so that we, we can have eternal life. Uh, not be condemned in death. So he died and rose again so that you can live. Yeah, I, I'm, I, am, I, I have sin in my life. I am broken, but Jesus has given me new life. Boy, I am striving to follow him and to live into his vision of who I am uh, with my life. Yeah, I still fall. I still fail. I mess up. But gosh, in him I have not found condemnation. I've found new life. Friends, I, it's been almost a year now, and, and yet I have come to recognize that this is the, the kind of church community that you can come out of hiding and be open and vulnerable with your junk as you truly seek God. This is the kind of church community you can do that in. Because we believe that those who seek God will find God when they seek with all their hearts. And in God, you'll find life. In a moment, we're, we're going to conclude with a couple of songs. Uh, but, but I want to provide you an opportunity today to symbolically come out of hiding. Uh, we, we have uh, prayer stations up here toward the front. You've got this blank sheet of paper. Uh, you, you always get scared when you get the blank sheet of paper in church. Uh, I know. But, but this is an opportunity for you to come out of hiding. Uh, if, if this was revolutionary for you and it's time to put your whole trust in what Jesus has done, not in what you do, write that down. It, but I also invite you to write down the ways that you've been hiding. Just ask God to reveal, what, how have I been hiding from you? What, what mask am I hiding behind? Uh, write some of that down. Please, would you, you don't have to put your name on it. You can put your name on it. Uh, I, I'm going to... Uh, this week, be praying over these and, and just asking God uh, to, to find in us people who are really seeking him, who aren't hiding anymore. Uh, but, but write your stuff down, uh, name or not, and would you bring them up and put them in the baskets uh, at the prayer, uh, the prayer stations. You can stay and, and pray there if you want, or you can just drop the things in the baskets during these next songs. Uh, I'm going to be praying for those this week. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's pray together, though, as we prepare our hearts for that. Lord, we, we do not want our activity, good or bad, to distract us from looking up and receiving life. Lord, would you help us take off our masks, help us come out of hiding behind all of our religious activity, help us live in vulnerability so that we can receive the life that, that you offer. Lord, thank you that on the cross, you did what we could not. And that because of your death, we can receive life. If only we'd seek you. If only we'd look up. For you so loved the world that you gave your only son that whoever trusts in him may not perish, but have eternal life. It's in the name of that son we pray. Jesus. Jesus.